on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. We jump right into local college football by recapping OU's win over TCU in Fort Worth. We also recap Oklahoma State's big win over Iowa State in Stillwater. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap some of the marquee games of the weekend and discuss some college football news. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Monday night football between the Bears and Rams. To finish up, we talk about a very, very important issue as winter weather has arrived in Oklahoma in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. I'm man Michael Asti. We'll kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, October 26th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. We've got Sunday night football between the Seahawks and Cardinals. We've also got game five of the World Series going on. But what are we doing? We're recording the podcast because that's what we do, Teddy. That's how we roll, baby. Oh, man. Hey, football guys talking baseball. Did you watch that game oh, last night? Holy shit. Listen, we, we do not pretend like we're baseball guys on here. We don't. But that was that was exci- that was as exciting as baseball can get. I was it I hopped out of bed. I was like and I wasn't cheering for anyone. I didn't care. But that last play for the race, that was insane. That was awesome. It was that that was hashtag sports. It was great. And it ended just like every other little league game I've ever been to with a massive amount of errors on the final play. Just, That's usually how it goes. Just utter <laughs> chaos. <laughs> but that was uh, it was really cool that was that was great for baseball in my opinion and if there were more baseball games like that one guess what i'd watch it a whole lot more well, often i think that you know i was watching because at that point the cincinnati game was a blowout the michigan game was a blowout so that's what i happened to i happened to be watching it you know for I'm, the last two innings that's what i, I was watching baseball yeah, and we'll get to both of those football games in the National College Football Roundup. But yeah, I would, the same way, I was like, well, 
these games are boring. I'm going to watch baseball. And that was an awesome finish. And currently, uh, the Dodgers are up three to nothing. Top of the third. And that's we us talking time. baseball. That's <laughs> us talking. So we'll maybe keep you updated uh, when we finish up what it should be about the sixth. Yeah. So remember, baseball takes forever. That's why no one watches it. All right. Let's get to the local college football, shall we? And that's brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. OU goes to Fort Worth and wins 33-14. to 14, And you go beat a decent – I don't think TCU is necessarily a good football team right now, but they're a decent football team. They got, they got athletes on both sides of the ball. And you go into their house and you beat them by three scores. And it probably could have been worse, Teddy, but it's hard not to be really pleased by that. And believe me, we have tried to find just about everything you can bitch about when it comes to this <laughs> football team. Like, I, I feel like we've done a great job of being fair, but also criticizing this team. And this was undoubtedly OU's best performance of the year, right, Ted? Yeah, I mean... Whenever you just look at it as, as a complete game, I thought offense, defense, special teams was all good. All perfect? No, but all good. And it's the most complete game that we've played. The biggest difference is, you know, nothing has changed since game one of this season. Oklahoma's always going to have the talent advantage over everyone that they play. That hasn't changed. But what changed in the TCU game is we didn't level the playing field by turning the ball over multiple times and having screw-ups on special teams. And whenever you don't do that, your talent usually gives you the upper hand and usually works out for the better for you. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday. Yeah, so let's start with the offense. And I loved what we saw offensively. They stuck with the running game and then – took big shots down the field, which I think really plays to Spencer Rattler's strengths. I mean, I I really do. I think he's got – I don't know if a gift is too much of an overstatement, but he's got a gift for the long ball with what he can do with that right arm. I mean, it's just – he throws a great deep ball. So when you look at the run game, it's improving, right? I know when you look at the average, it's still not where you want it to be but they've had they, they continue to have too many zero yard and negative yard runs. There's still a lack of what I would call truly explosive runs. But I think TJ Pledger has kind of emerged as a guy you can trust. I like the way this kid plays. Love how physical he is with the football in his hands. He's showing good patience. That TD run was impressive. He ran through that guy's soul. I love seeing that shit. But McGowan was back, and it, 
it, it kind of seemed like he was on a bit of a pitch count from the yeah. way it looked for me. Uh, he had the nice catch on the wheel route, which was a big play in that game, early in that football game, but still looks, you know, a little unsure at times. But I, I know when you look at the stat sheet and you see the yards per carry, it, it, it's not a, a big number like we're used to seeing, but it does seem like they're – moving in the right direction or maybe that was TCU just having a bad front it could be a combination of both but I I was I I felt better about the run game after this game than I did after the Texas game yeah I think it's you know definitely seems like it's more consistent Um, you mentioned that we're not getting the big chunk plays that we're used to and I think that's true And I don't exactly know why that is, you know, because I feel like whenever, like, you go back and you watch, like, I remember Kennedy Brooks, his real coming out party was two years ago in Fort Worth. Um, He came in because of injury, and he lit it up that day. But in all of his runs, I feel like he was, you know, 12 or 15 yards downfield before he ever even encountered anybody. Like, before anyone was even there. Yeah. So it's hard to know exactly, like, is it, are we not having those explosive runs because it's on the running backs or are we not blocking it up as good? Have teams caught up to our running game a little bit? I don't know exactly what it is, but here at the end of the day, here's the thing. I thought against TCU, the running game was solid. It wasn't problematic that we couldn't run it. The weird thing is we are still – we ran the ball – like, you would agree we ran the ball well against TCU, right? Right. But our average is still 3.7 yards per carry. I know. It's and, confusing. I'm confused. And we were – we've only been held under four yards per carry, like, a handful of times in the last four years. years, And we haven't been over four yards of carry yet this season. So, I don't know. So, I still so think the quarterback run game has a lot to do with it, too. Right, and I guess that's when you talk about the way that Spencer Rattler played in this football game, really the only complaint is some of the decisions he made keeping the football in the run game when he clearly should have given it, right? I think we saw several instances of that where you and I were on the radio call going, I I mean, I don't know what he's looking at. I don't know what he's doing. And if you take those negative runs out of it, the average would be better. But still, a lack of the big, explosive, you know, 30, 35-yard chunks that we're used to seeing from this team. But I do have a theory, Teddy, if you would, uh, if you would indulge me. Okay. So, I, I'm a firm believer that your ability to challenge a team in the vertical passing game and then your ability to run the football are connected. Because with some of the things we saw Oklahoma do in this game, right? You got to remember TCU's got dudes in the back end, like the married kid. He's going to play on Sundays, the Washington kid. He's going to play on Sundays. Like those are two freak safety. Some people think that that may be the best safety combination in the country. And Oh, you roasted their asses. I mean, they were running by guys. I know it wasn't just those two guys every time, but if you can challenge teams vertically and scare them with that threat that opens up everything in the run game Teddy because you know how it works 
You get two high safeties, that, that's exactly what you want to run the football effectively. And you'll get more of those looks if teams feel threatened vertically. And I think with some of the stuff they just showed, some teams are going to have to make some decisions, right? Like, they're going to see Marvin Mims running by guys. They're going to see Rambo running by guys. And they're going to go, you know what? And it, Theo Weiss, hell, and Bridges and Hazelwood are coming back. So, so it's like – Would you rather give up A to carry or that, give up the home run ball? And, and clearly Rattler can do it. He can make those throws. So – I wouldn't be surprised if we see this team really keep trying to push the ball down the field, and that eventually helps this run game open up a little bit. And I, yeah. I could be wrong, but that is what should happen. If they continue to push the ball down the field like that in the vertical passing game and have success, teams are going to have to choose. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's st- it's getting better. And it looked good against TCU, but there's still something massively missing whenever we haven't broken four yards of carry yet this season. And that includes Missouri State. And for the entire season last year, we were a six yards of carry team. Yeah. For the, for the entire year. Yeah, so it is. It's no doubt perplexing. Something still isn't, you know, and I think that's going to be the real difference between us separating from people and like you know we separated from TCU and won that game handily but you know in years past we've blown blown games totally open I think that explosive run stuff that's kind of missing right now is probably the reason like I don't know what the long run of the year is but it's probably under 30 yards yeah I think Pledger what Pledger had a 25 yard run in this game and that may I think be that's probably the long of the year. What that and the one he had against Texas where he fumbled. Yeah. I'm sure McGowan said a long one in there. That it's just forever ago. We don't remember it, but <laughs> right. I, I, I liked what I saw from Rattler. Um, remember in the previous game, this kid got benched. He got put in timeout. And I thought other than some of the decisions where he kept the ball in the run game, I thought he was fantastic. And he had a ton of time in the pocket. Thought the O-line did a good job protecting, and they should because TCU, they're not very good up front. They don't have any guys that can get after the quarterback. But when this kid has a clean pocket, Ted, uh, I, I know that people are probably tired about hearing about his arm talent, and but it's just the dude can absolutely rip it down the field. He can. It is impressive. He's not going to turn it over if he has a clean pocket. I'm with you. I mean that's that's just what it's going to be. Um, I think from he's gotten better, and there was a point in the season, Kansas State, Iowa State, even Texas, where I felt like every drop back pass, I'm just like tensing up a little bit, looking downfield, trying to see what's what's back there, and is he going to make a mistake? But if he's got a clean pocket and he's comfortable, I I feel like he's he's going to be able to pick everyone apart. So no, I I thought the offensive line. Um, you know, quite a bit better. There were some times we had a couple of plays in there, but, I mean, that's going to happen. No, I mean, you're not going to just, you know, waltz through everyone, blocking blocking every single play up perfectly and having every protection go perfectly. Guys are going to get beat here and there, have bad technique, bad footwork. But all in all, I thought 
thought it was pretty good. It was an improvement, which, you know, if this season, it's a – because of all the chaos and no spring and all of that stuff, it's a race to see who can get better quicker. And I feel like we made a big jump the last two weeks. Confidence-wise against Texas, and then by week, that team looked like they got some good work done during the bye. Yeah, completely agree with you. Uh, one note on the O-line, uh, we only saw Chris Murray get a handful of snaps. I really liked what I saw from that kid in the handful of snaps he's got. I That's tough too, right? I think, to yeah. not be able to get into rhythm and know what you're seeing out there and just kind of jump in in the middle of a game. Yeah, and if Tyrese Robinson doesn't pick it up at right guard, uh, and he had some he had some bad moments against TCU. Was it, was that his false start that cost us that field goal? Correct, that yeah. was him. And I I just think I I think Chris Murray can help the team. I I know he's not as 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 big as in, and as imposing as some of the other guys. I just like the way he plays, and uh, I would like to see him get some more snaps. We'll see, we'll see. I thought he I thought he represented himself well in the few snaps he got it. Okay, which which is more exciting for you, Ted? The way that Marvin Mims continues to look or that it appears Theo Weiss has found some more consistency? That dude's becoming a really good route runner. I, stuff like that, it, it kind of goes unnoticed, but he had that big play. And also, he just he's becoming a more reliable guy. No, he is. Um Mims is exciting. Oh my gosh. But I always like the I'm less impressed by a guy streaking open behind the defense than I am a guy that goes up into traffic to make plays and you know has to get a toe touch on the sideline and you know can catch something underneath, spin out of a tackle, make a guy miss and turn a 7-yard you know curl route into a 28-yard explosive play. So Right now, um, I'm starting to like what I see from Theo Weese. It looks like Rattler's getting more comfortable with him, too. And, you know, it, and I've made this point a bunch and, and probably said it on here, but they're missing thousands of reps this season from not having spring and typical summer workouts where they're doing seven-on-seven and one-on-ones every day. So that chemistry to start off the season wasn't anywhere near what it would typically be in a regular year. Right. I just think Marvin Mims, he has got, he's got all the ingredients to be a star, and he's only going to get bigger. He's only going to get stronger. Fair, though. You know, you hitched your wagon to Mims really early. Game one, Teddy. <laughs> so. Game one after the Missouri State game, what did I say? I said that he would leave early and be a first-round pick. I attached my, I was like, you know what? Not only am I hopping on the bandwagon, I'm driving this son of a bitch. <laughs> so I've, I agree with you, but I do feel like there is some bias coming through on some of these Maybe. men's takes. <laughs> Maybe, but hey, that he, he did have no, what? He's, Those, he's it was legit. a 61-yard touchdown and a 50-yard touchdown. That kid, that kid's got talent. Um, now you Which, look by at the what, way, I did look it up. 26 is the longest rushing play of the season. That's crazy. Um, yep. Well, luckily, uh, the uh, all signs point to Ramondre Stevenson being back. And, and I know that he isn't necessarily a guy you think of like explosive speed, but 
I'm here to tell you from what I heard about him in the offseason, like they think he is going to be an absolute problem for teams. Like he, I'm trying to remember if if I ever played with someone who was suspended for the first part of the season and then came back. Because I'm wondering like there has to be there has to be a little bit of maybe earn your way back in. No, or maybe they've already done that. I, you know, I, I just, I would kind of be shocked if first game back, it's like, okay, here you go. Featured back number one, you get 20 carries, but. Hey, you know what? <laughs> it's a cold world, Ted. If he's the best guy, give him the rock. Him the that's pill. the way I don't, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how it works. It's survival of the fittest in this thing. Right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I always defer to you. When it comes to how the defense played, uh, just from my perspective, I thought they did a really good job. I mean, it, it wasn't perfect, but now I don't think TCU is very good on offense. Their old line is bad. I told you people, they are bad, but they do have good athletes at the skill positions, and OU did a good job limiting big plays. They shut down the run game, made Max Duggan, beat him throwing the football from the pocket in third and medium, third and long situations. And that's exactly what they wanted. And they did a good job. It was a really nice performance. No, it was, it was super clean and he didn't really, Duggan didn't really even get anything going until the game was decided. Yeah. The garbage drive kind of, Yep, we got really soft on the back end with, with how we were playing some stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought we were really good. We, we continue to tackle better. It's not perfect. I mean, the one big explosive play that they had was really created by uh, that was tackle. So I, 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 I had to go back and watch that play because I swear I was like, you know what? He was falling to the ground. He was pro Wells on what was that? Like 47 yard catch. Yeah. So DTY is tackling him. He is going to the ground and in a bizarre, like, physics problem justin Broyles hits him with the shoulder and like pops him back up onto his feet so he can keep running it was bizarre i thought i was like i'm crazy that didn't just happen and then i went back and i was like i knew that's what i saw yeah i mean it was it's one of those things and it's frustrating to me because you know as a safety or a defensive back you know a lot of times you're the last line of defense that's where the name safety comes from you're the last line you're you're the cleanup guy so whenever you're going up to help tackle someone you got to make a decision of when to try and blow them up or when to make a safe bring them down tackle and when a guy's 250 pounds just go get run over and grab him and pull you pull him down I mean that's that's really all you've got to do you've got to make sure that it doesn't get out of there um and I'm frustrated with that because now that's that hasn't been a bunch of those on Broyles, but it's been a bunch on our team. I mean, it's happened quite a bit, and it's just it's a frustration for me because most of the yards that we've built up through the season that we've given up, it's not free runners, it's not you know, guys being out of place, it's missed tackles right at the point of attack. I mean, we've got someone there within the framework of the defense that's supposed to make the play, and they, they you know, whiff on it. So uh, it's better, but 
it's it's still a frustration. Okay, you're gonna love this because I was going back through my game notes and I thought this was the best play for OU in the entire game defensively. And I, I feel like a hipster. This is very niche right here, Teddy. But it's TCU's second drive, and we saw early in that game, right? If they got it going, what were they doing? They were going tempo, and they were running that sweep into the boundary. Like, that was their, hey, we're going fast, we're running this play. Well, on that second drive, TCU has a nice play, but then they go tempo into the boundary, same exact look, and the running back, Miller, is going to throw the football. Mm-hmm. But in the back end, OU very disciplined, didn't let anyone run down the field, and nothing happened. And I was like, you know what? That is good discipline assignment sound football that it may not seem like a big deal but they easily could have said hey oh this is what they're running suck up I'm gonna go make a play and they didn't do that they did their jobs and I was like you know what that's growth yeah no that and that's a really good point Um, I know that's why I brought it up yeah Uh. it's first and 10 they get a, a seven yard run brings up second and three and you think they're going to just try and uh, you know, run that quick play and try and pick up a first down, but they don't. It's a pass, and it turns into a tackle for loss, and you put yeah. them into a you know, third and six or seven, and Duggan completes the pass, but you rally up and tackle and force the punt team up. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. That's, that's Ultimately, that's what you want. You want good, smart defense, smart players out there, and I'm telling you, if, if we just make some of these – they're not – it's not great tackles. It's just routine tackles. The yards and points on our defense look totally different than what they look right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, I will say this. We've been pretty tough on that group. They do I, – and I, I want to be careful saying this, but they do look like they're getting better, mm-hmm. which – and I will say the defensive line, Perrion Winfrey, he has some flashes. Right, but yeah. I, I don't know if there's any, you know, early round draft picks playing for them right now. But they've really been a bright spot. And when you go back and look at it, TCU couldn't run the ball because they were just beating their ass at the line of scrimmage. TCU and most of it came from you know Duggan that big run he had on that garbage drive. Like they had 75 yards rushing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at home, <laughs> so that's, that's a hell of a job. Well, I mean, right now, we defensively, I think we're number one rushing defense in the Big 12 right now after this weekend's uh, games. And, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've played that, the run really good. Um, yeah, we're number one rush defense, uh, giving up 92 yards a game rushing uh, through five games. So, yeah, I mean, it's – it's solid. We've got – I mean, there's times where Perrion Winfrey looks like an absolute first-round player. No doubt. There's no doubt. But then there's long periods where he kind of disappears on you, which happens with defensive line. I mean, you know, if, if he played like that on every single snap, you know, it's like you've never seen anyone play like that on every snap. Aaron Donald does – well, maybe he does, but – Guy's just, a cyborg. You've, you'll – there'll be some stretches there and then finally he'll get the look. He'll be fresh and get the play where he can make one. And it's just like, wow, 
So, yeah, but the rotation is strong, and it's about to get a heck of a lot stronger. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, I typically whenever you get guys back, you say, yeah, okay, we're – like offensively, you know, we're going to get Bridges back, which, you know, I don't know how that rotates in with a bunch of the different wide receivers, and, and we'll talk about that later. But, you know, with Perkins – it matters right now. Like it, that it, that changes everything. You know, you know better than anyone. An offensive line, they have to account for the best player on the field if it's on the he, defensive line and how you're going to block things and what he, your run game looks like. And he changes your game plan. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's the type of player he is. I mean he changes your game plan. He changes what you do from a run scheme standpoint. He changes how you're going to, you know use different protections you know it, it changes everything when a guy can rush the passer like that everything so he's gonna play in lubbock are we sure do we know is it do we feel well, good about it i mean i don't think you with with perkins right now i don't know you feel certain about it until the ball snapped on the first play i don't even care about warm-ups but uh as of right now i feel about as certain as I could the day, the week before the game starts. Gotcha. Does something pop up throughout the week? Well, I can't say that it doesn't, but as of today, I'm, I'm very, very confident that he's playing. I, uh, I will say this uh, one more thing about OU's win against TCU. Teams are going to continue to pick on 44 and he had a rough start to that football game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, kid was getting just killed on Twitter. You know, I'm, I'm on my phone during the game, during the breaks, looking. I was like, damn, oh, you fans are, <laughs> they are mad. But I do think as the game went on, he got a little better. Got yeah. a little better. So we'll, well see. But teams are going to continue to pick on him. I mean, they just they are. I mean, this, this is – it's big boy football. One of the first things you do when you come to the line of scrimmage is look at matchups. And anytime you're looking in the slot and you've got a guy that's 5'9 against a guy that's 6'6, six, six, well, that looks like a fantastic matchup to a quarterback. So, and it's already shown up on film some where people have been able to go up over the top of him and make some plays. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to continue to happen. I'll say this about, about Buki. Um, he was. He was thrust into an impossible situation when he got here as a true freshman, when people started making comparisons to who he's going to be and how good he's going to be and uh, who he reminds them of and stuff like that. I was thrown into an impossible situation because whenever you go out, there's an uh, incredibly small true freshman and the expectations of the fan base have already been built up that high. There's nothing you can do but fail. Do do you remember like the comparison that yeah. everyone was using? Yeah, Tyron Matthew. Well, no, no, no. Around here, they were saying Roy Williams, which you know. I had someone on the staff. I mean, like he was practicing really, 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 really well, allegedly, because someone was like, "Dude, we're going to use him the way the LSU used the Honey Badger," and I was like, "What? Like that's so exciting!" Like I was, I was yeah. fired up. And you're right. I don't know if there's a player. He's the most criticized OU player I can think of. Well, and 
that's what I was going to get to is, you know, he was thrust into a bad spot and people felt deceived right from the beginning, like that he's not living up to what he, what he's supposed to be. So they're mad at him from the very beginning. And then, you know, we go through, we go through some bad defense, obviously. And, you know, I, and you know, this, whenever, whenever a team is not playing well or playing up to expectations, every tiny little thing gets scrutinized. And when, when fans see Buki get beat a lot and give up big plays and then make a routine tackle that he's supposed to make and jump up and, and celebrate like it was the tackle to win the Super Bowl, that makes people mad. It makes people mad. And I get it, man. Defensively, it is fun to play well. It is fun to have energy. And when guys make tackles and make plays, you you, you feel like you're everyone's swarming, you're playing well. I get it. But he would be very well served to make a tackle and go back to the huddle and play the next snap. I I mean I typically wouldn't say that, but like right now, that's what he needs to do. I mean, or he could just completely block everyone out, and that's fine. But you know, that's that's what makes people really mad about how, with Buki. How about this? He makes more routine plays and he celebrates. <laughs> right? There you go. Best of both worlds. That, that way, everyone's happy. Right? There you All go. right, Ted. Uh, it's time for call your shot. Call Your Shots brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my, my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. Okay, Ted, put the tweet out there. Uh, wanted our listeners' boldest takeaway from OU's win over TCU. And this one comes from at Stevens Meister or at Stevens Smeister. Which, which one do we think? <laughs> Stevens Meister or Stevens Smeister? I, I'm not sure which um, it is. But uh, I think it's Steven Smeister, probably. Steven Smeister, at Steven Smeister on Twitter, says Marvin Mims is the best wide receiver on the roster. Mm. Huh. Okay. Mm. So Marvin Mims has been the most productive wide receiver. I'm not sure. Actually, I think I know he's not. Because you got to remember, this kid's a true freshman. I think he's going to be a star. I think I've made that very clear. But with what I've been told about what Trajan Bridges has been doing in practice, it sounds like that is a kid that is on a mission. 
and that when he gets released from that suspension, that OU fans should be very, very, very excited. I remember that staff tell me that he does something at least once a day that makes them just stop and look at each other and go, holy shit, this kid. So that's got me fired up to see Trajan Bridges this season. And it also sounds like Jaden Hiswood, who everyone knows is when you talk about physical talent, he's the most talented guy. It sounds like he's close. I don't know about this weekend at Tech, but it sounds like they think he's got a chance to play against Tech. Like, well, it, he's that close, Ted. So, Mims is great, but this team, and they just got a commitment from, like, the number one receiver in the country. Uh, we don't, we're not recruiting guys, but apparently he's from Edmond Santa Fe, so that's cool. But, I mean, I'm, I am excited for this wide receiver core moving forward. When they got all their dudes, it is one of the best wide receiver cores in the country. No doubt. Well, I hope they come back both of them, Bridges and Hazelwood, and make big impacts. Because I'll tell you, and this has been a frustration of mine, we are not getting the play that we should be out of the five stars that we have on the roster right now. We just, we flat out are not. And I can go through a big list of them and who they all are, but I think everyone knows who they are. Um, You know, we've got one suspended right now, one hurt. And if we get them back and they live up to the five-star potential, that'll be a good thing. We need it right now because it's <laughs> there, there's there, we got five a lot of five stars that aren't even out there playing right now. So that that we need that. And I don't know. Here's the interesting thing, though. Like who what who sits? I I don't know. I. I don't know if sits is the right word, but I think that I think you're going to see a healthy rotation, right? Yeah. Because, I, I mean, Rambo's been decent, but has he been some – I mean, had a big drop in that game against TCU. Like, has he been some game-changing player for them no. this season? I don't think he has, but – He's been very replaceable. And honestly, I believe that he and Mims – kind of give you the same guy, but Mims is playing better right now, right. you know? So maybe I, I, with everything we've heard about Marvin Mims from the staff and how coachable he is, how intelligent he is, maybe you get him into that slot position somehow, because I mean, Drake Stoops is a, he, he's a decent player. Uh, Obi Obiallo sounds like he'll be back for tech as well. Uh, we really don't know what he's got. He hasn't been healthy all year. So I, I don't know, but Dennis Simmons will figure it out. Kill Gunny yeah. will figure it out. Like get the best players on the field. Yeah. I don't care the what the, position the they're the labeled. It, 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 if you, you just put your best guys out there, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yep. So it's a we'll good see, problem to have. I am. I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. And with what we saw from Rattler, when the pockets clean, you get, the best three, four wide receivers out there. Oh boy, could be fun. Could be, I know they've lost two games already, but that doesn't mean it can't be entertaining the rest of the way, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. All right. Um, of course, we got to talk about the Oklahoma State Iowa State game. Really solid win 
for Oklahoma State, 24-21 over the Cyclones. You and I both thought that Iowa State had the advantage in that football game, and we were wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were wrong because that was a great win for Oklahoma State and a hell of a backdoor cover by Iowa State there late. But OSU's defense won that football game. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind. Spencer Sanders, now he, he did some really good things with his legs, but he had the two interceptions that were really big plays in that game. Uh, I thought he took advantage of a couple of rare busted coverages there from Iowa State in the passing game. Uh, how someone doesn't cover Jelani Woods, I don't know. The guy's the biggest dude on planet Earth. Like, how do you not see that guy? But uh, kudos to Sanders for for finding him on that play. That was a good ball. Nice touchdown. And I, I thought that was a big momentum swinging play in that game for them, but uh, I didn't think Sanders necessarily had a great day throwing the football, but we finally saw, saw that athletic ability that we've been wondering where it was, and that was the difference in the game, in my mind. Uh, we knew that athletic quarterbacks, uh, guys that could run, you know, if nothing was there, that, that gives Iowa State trouble, and Sanders was great with some of those situations. Now, Brees Hall is still that dude. I will give yeah. him that. I mean, he is a special player. But when that Oklahoma State defense had to get stops in the third and fourth quarter, they got him. And that was a big-time performance. And it felt like Oklahoma State's offense, it, it was stuck in, like, second gear. It just really couldn't get going. And mm-hmm. that Oklahoma State defense, they got a stop. Then they'd get a stop. And – all, you thought Brock Purdy and that Iowa State offense were going to get going. They were going to go score points and win the game, and it just never happened. And you got to give those kids from Oklahoma State on the defensive side of the ball a lot of credit. I think it's time. we got to say it. The defense is good. They're good. They are. They're really good. Um, statistically, they're the best in the conference, and it's really not even close. They're giving up 12 points a game. They've only given up six touchdowns for the entire season. Um, they're averaging almost four sacks per game. You know, they, they're they playing really good football right now. And they're talented at every level. They're not doing it with just D-line or with just backers or just secondary. All three levels of the defense are really good and have good players. And they're all experienced. How about – so there were two, in my mind, two just absolutely spectacular plays from Oklahoma State in that game. Chuba Hubbard keeping himself up by just using his hand and then running for a touchdown at hyper speed. That was a badass individual play. And then Colby, Harbor, Colby Harvell Peel, easier for me to say, geez, Colby Harvell Peel's interception was one of the best displays of safety range I've seen this season. That was a spectacular individual play. And may have taken a big play away. Like maybe maybe they get P.I. there. Maybe that kid catches it. I don't know. But that was a sick interception. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing, man. The, the safety position is huge, man. And I, I, he's, if not the best in the conference, he's right there in the very short list. 
super athletic, and you talked about it, the range, uh, good tackler. I mean, they've got, like I said, the backer position I think for them is strong. Defensive line, they've got multiple guys that can rush the passer. They don't have a – they're not a one-trick pony. There's three or four guys on that D-line that can get after the quarterback. So I think that game, to me, solidified Oklahoma State's position in the Big 12, really both offensively and defensively. Got to see what we – and you, you said it wasn't the greatest game ever by Sanders, but we got to see what the extra, you know, dynamic that he brings to that offense. Yeah, Chuba Hubbard's sure. going to do what he does. Tyler Wallace is going to do what he does. So uh, you put all of that together, you've got a really solid offense. Best offense in the Big 12? No, but a really, really solid – I mean, right now they're just – they're the most all-around football team at this moment. Well – I, I heard Mike Gundy talking about kind of some of the decisions he made late in the game. I mean, they're up 10, and he's running the football, and they I think they kind of had a fourth down situation where they could have gone for it, and Spencer Sanders is lobbying for him to go for it, and he's like, we're up 10, and I got this defense. No. Like, and that was, yeah. it was such an interesting thing to hear from Mike Gundy and tells you all you need to know about how he feels about that defense. And I will say this. uh, I watched – I went back and watched every snap of that game. I'm not sure Brock Purdy's good. I'm starting to think he's not. He's he's especially disappointing in big games. It's a trend. Mm -hmm. Right? And I just – I don't know. He he did some things with his legs in that game, and I I know that he's a leader in that locker room, but – when the when the lights get bright, I I don't know. Now he he beat OU, I'd get that, but that was that was more Brees Hall than Brock Purdy. So, right. I just I'm not sure he's good. Uh, uh, I'm a I'm taking a step back from Brock Purdy, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna let that play out a little bit. But you mentioned it, Oklahoma State. I don't see a way they don't play in the Big Twelve championship game. With the way that defense is playing, maybe if they have like some catastrophic injuries or something, but they're in the driver's seat in the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, it, the Big 12 this year is it's, – it's interesting because there's not like the, the game that is absolutely unwinnable on anyone's schedule – but the rest of them are incredibly difficult. Like Oklahoma State had a great win at home against Iowa State. They controlled that football game 24-21. It's a nice victory. And now they're playing Texas at home. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that Texas goes in there and beats Oklahoma State. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't pick that. But it's something that could happen this year in the Big 12. Also, you know, TCU, by the time they play them late, they've got to go to Manhattan after they play uh, after they play Texas. So they're in the driver's seat right now, but, I mean, they're kind of like Iowa State and Kansas State to where they haven't necessarily earned your your respect where you think they're just going to win out. 
like they're going to win all of the games that they're supposed to win. You right. know what I'm saying? No, I know what you mean. I, I think the reality of the Big 12 this year is if you take Kansas out of it and if you catch, you know, if, if Baylor or Texas Tech catches you on a bad day, I mean, really anybody can beat anybody. Yeah. When I you look at true. the other nine, like uh, I don't think there's some dominant team right now. I definitely think Oklahoma State's the most complete team. I mean, they've proved, they've proved it on the field. So we'll see, but um, Oklahoma State stays. I like Kansas State, too. I know, I know we keep saying that Kansas State's going to lose a bunch of games, and that's you know, maybe they will, but, man. They beat the, the hell out of Kansas, but, I mean, it are, is Kansas. They are really, really sound, just like you would expect. Their defense, nothing really flashy, but they are sound. They got one of the best pass rushers, D linemen in the conference. They got one of the best safeties in the conference. Um, you know, they're they're just they're just solid. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn continues to to make huge plays for them. So I don't know. They're more Kansas State now after Bill Snyder than they were his last five or six years. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, Oklahoma State stays at number six in the AP poll, and would you look at that? The return of the Sooners. Back in it, baby. Back in it at number 24. So Gosh, good to see. OSU shouldn't have beat a top 15 team. They just stayed at number six. If they had another idle week, they'd probably be top four. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup, and that's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Okay, let's recap some of the marquee games from the weekend. Teddy, we were wrong about Michigan-Minnesota. We were, uh, we were very wrong. Very, very wrong. The Wolverines, they look good, man. They look, I mean, they go to Minnesota and win 49-24, and I'm not sure it was that close. It was back and forth, right? The start of that game, I was like, oh, hell yeah. This is going to be an awesome Saturday night. Let's go. It was back and forth, but then Michigan completely dominated the last three quarters, I, I'm, and I'm not sure what P.J. Fleck thought was going to happen on that fake punt. That, that was a hilarious pace, snapping it to a big guy and thinking he's going to run for a first down. I respected the call, but I was like, how did he think that was going to work? But, that was the turning point, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's when you knew, like, P.J. Fleck was like, we got to do something because this Michigan team is legit. <laughs> like, that's the – At a quarterback and – I don't think Milton was great, but he's he's more explosive and makes more plays than anyone they've had around there. How has he not been playing? 
don't know. I mean, I oh, know. I, let's be real. That guy, and he used his legs. I thought they put him in good situations. Uh, maybe another year with Gaddis developing that offensive system. Maybe that's what it is. But, dude, that guy looks incredible in a jersey. Yeah. I mean, does. he walked out there and I was like, oh, that's Joe Milton. I shouldn't have been talking shit about that guy. <laughs> Look at him. I mean, he was – and you said he, was, he wasn't like – he didn't make any mind-blowing throws. He was just composed. He's a playmaker. They Made good decisions. Playmaker. They needed a, a, a guy that could make some plays. They've – you know, and I hate to say this, they're college kids, but they've had stiffs back there in the pocket that can't move, can't do anything, are frozen in the moment, and he looked fluid looked athletic, and made some plays. It's really all they need because their defense is stacked. Oh, wow. So I knew we, – we talked about Minnesota and how much they had lost on defense. Uh, they were not good defensively. Now, I think that had some – a lot to do with some of the dudes Michigan has on offense, but you mentioned that Michigan defense. They harassed Tanner Morgan in the pocket the entire game that dude was running for his life quitty pay guy's got an awesome name and they are going to quitty pay that man his money when the draft <laughs> rolls around because he is an absolute dude I, I they were fun man but bateman made that one nice play where he made that juke and outside move that was pretty cool um but man you could just you could see the difference and it's supposed to be this way okay but you could see the talent depth difference between Minnesota and Michigan. You know, Minnesota lost guys and it hurt them. Michigan is is a team that's recruited good enough lately to where they're just they're cycling through. There, there's not a whole lot of drop off whenever they lose people. I can't wait for the inevitable game where Michigan lets down all of their fans. It's coming. Yeah, I can actually find it on the schedule for you if you want it, me to tell you the exact date. It's coming. <laughs> Just know, Michigan fans, don't get too excited. It is coming. Okay, so The another. better they look now, the more it's going to hurt later. It's just going to be so painful, but I, they're used to it. They'll be fine. Another really good game in the Big Ten and one where a lot of things happen, but we just got to talk about the end, right? And that's Penn State going on the road and losing to Indiana, uh, Indiana 36, Penn State 35 in overtime. Now, I told y'all, Tom Allen in the Indiana Hoosiers, that is a frisky football team. Put them in the frisky category. Now, we can talk a lot, of it, a lot about what happened in this game, but Penn State forces the turnover on downs late, and all they have to do is not score. <laughs> And they win the game. But Devin Ford runs into the end zone. And the, the, moment where he, the moment where he realized that he wasn't supposed to do it. And I heard James, James Franklin say, we told him not to score. But that moment of realization where that kid was like, oh, no, I fucked up. It was <laughs> so priceless. The body language was unbelievable. The Indiana players celebrating. Him scoring was maybe my favorite part of it, but that was that was still a hell of a sequence at the end of regulation and then overtime for Indiana because Michael Penix Jr. 
in the Hoosiers. They, they go down, they score, they convert the two-point conversion, force overtime, the squib kick. I know a lot of OU fans probably were like, oh, no, not the squib kick. It gives Penn State a chance to kick what I think it was like a 57-yarder to win it at the end of regulation. It comes up just short, but overtime. I loved it. I mean, Teddy, we talk about it all the time. If you don't have as much talent as the other team, if you get a chance to win the game on one play, you do it. And that's exactly what Tom Allen did. And I loved it. It was, it was very interesting because if I remember right, we talked about this, this game last week, and I think Penn State was a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Yes. It so, was close, and I was – remember, this was the one where I was like, Vegas knows oh, yeah. something. That's, that's what I was saying, too. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. They're trying to – oh, oh, they'll win by seven. No big deal. But I, it's just so interesting to me because, you know, if they – when they go for two, I mean, it basically is hitting six-and-a-half on the number is what it is doing, is hitting six-and-a-half, which is so funny, man. I – it, it was it was just it was fascinating the way the whole thing went down. Um, I listened to it on the radio, so I didn't I didn't see the replay and the picture until later. And oh, it has turned into it. It is going to. It has to be now. I'm not going to pretend I have a wealth of knowledge about the tradition that Indiana football has, but it's got to be the most iconic picture in the history of that program. It has to and. Okay, some people think he didn't get in. I think this is what I think. They called it. They called it a successful two-point conversion. If you haven't seen Michael Pinnock Jr.'s dive to win the game, go go find it. It's everywhere. I don't know how no other part of his body like because the, picture, the young man is an athlete, Ted. I mean, it's just amazing. The picture is the balls on the pylon and the rest of his body is just like hovering over the ground it's amazing being that athletic would be so badass uh but that was you were that athletic so i don't want to hear it but uh, that was an awesome finish to an awesome football game and i kind of liked it because there were some angles where you're like eh, it doesn't look like he got there and then they'd show you an angle you'd be like he definitely got there but they <laughs> called it successful on the field and i think at some point you're just like Dude, that was so cool. We can't just overturn that. Just give it just to him. Just give it to him. Just give it to him. <laughs> but that was a hell of an ending. Now, never should have come to that. And James Franklin needs to coach his guys better for that situation. I don't care if he said, hey, we practice it now. I guess we all know that players do dumb shit on the field. Like, that happens. But It is a weird thing, though, to say, like, God, man, you're an idiot. How could you score that touchdown? You know, it's just why would you do that? <laughs> it's so like counterintuitive, but no, I, I get it. You, I'll, I'll just tell you, man. The end of games in both NFL and college is always way worse. But there's some weird stuff that happens in the NFL too. Like, and I jotted it down because I was listening to all of this as I was driving home, and like Iowa State. They're going down. They're trying to score. They're in, you know, two-minute offense. And they they substitute personnel. 
when the clock is running. That is a bad idea. And, of course, the defense sees that and is like, oh, yeah, hey, I need a breather. And the guy on the sidelines like, who, you want me to come in? And the guy, like, slowly jogs over Call there, that snail. Like, tags the guy, and he, like, walks out there. They burn, like, 30 seconds off the clock doing that. It's just like if teams knew how to handle that stuff properly, you know, whatever. But it is a frustration watching it. Yeah. That's wins and losses, man. It's it's wins and losses. We'll see if that ends up being – it'll be interesting to see how Penn State bounces back. Oh, which uh, reminds me, we didn't talk about this. Uh, Gary Patterson calling a timeout, dead ball timeout on a kickoff to ensure that there's no way they win the football game. It was so frustrating because we could have been on the road 10 <laughs> minutes earlier than we were heading back home and – I was mad at Gary Patterson at that moment. And he had just not gone for it on like fourth and one and punted <laughs> right. it away. And it was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to do the Lincoln Riley's reaction to that whole sequence where he's calling timeout when they're taking a knee. That was, uh, that was good stuff. And uh, I know that Lincoln Riley's got a lot of respect for Gary Patterson, but going to remember that one for the matchup next year. Hopefully. Just going to remember that one. Just going to put that in the old memory bank. Uh, one more game I wanted to talk about, Ted. We talked about the big group of five matchup between Cincinnati and SMU. And, oh, mama. Cincinnati's legit. They look they good. 42-13 over the Ponies. And that defense from Cincinnati dominated the line of scrimmage in this football game. And they really contained – Shane Bouchel in that passing attack from SMU. SMU made a ton of mistakes, but you got to give Cincinnati credit. Uh, they forced them into those mistakes, but that defense for the Bearcats is legit. It is very real, and I haven't been very high on Desmond Ritter as a quarterback, but apparently that dude has wheels because he had a couple runs, that 91-yard touchdown run, and another long one. He was an absolute weapon with his legs. Now, Cincinnati still has games against Memphis, Houston, UCF, and Tulsa, but that looks like a team that can go undefeated. And yeah. that would be very, very interesting in this college football season if they did so. It would. I mean – the thing that they've got going for them is they're number nine right now, and there's a lot of football to be played. We haven't seen a team from outside the real teams that can make the playoff be ranked this high this early. So it's really hard to boot them out, and teams are going to lose. You know, whenever you look at the rankings right now, teams are going to lose football games and keep dropping out and they've got a shot like I knew they had a really good defense and I thought that SMU because SMU is one of the top offenses in the country coming into the game and I thought that they were going to be able to put up some points on them I was wrong and that Cincinnati defense I mean they're totally legit so I, I don't know what's going to happen I still I wouldn't pick them to make the playoff even if they go undefeated because I, I yeah. just I feel like that's how it's going to be that they don't want to put teams like that in which, you know, is understandable, but I don't know. I'm about ready to say make the American a, uh, a power six team because they're just as competitive as most of the middle tier 
teams in in all the other conferences, they're just as good. Cincinnati, SMU, UCF, they're they're middle tier power five teams. And they're Memphis, they're deep. They're deep. Yeah. Um the American they got some good teams. They do. I mean, they do, and they got some talent. I was, I was looking at some What's of those dudes is, playing defense for Cincinnati, and I was like, "Yeah, whoa!" <laughs> like, yeah. they got some good-looking athletes. I remember. So before we played UCLA last year, I was watching the UCLA Cincinnati game, and I was watching it like because I didn't really hadn't paid much attention to Cincinnati, and I was talking to someone about the game. I was like, "Cincinnati's defense is." Th- they're as good as I've seen. Like they're they're fantastic, and they got some dudes. They got some edge players, and they're like, "What do you mean, Cincinnati?" Uh, they basically made a mockery of it, but it was uh, they're they're legit. They're coached well. Think about how often that conference has to replace their coaches too, because that's where all the all the yeah, Power and, Five is plucking the coaches from. And it's not like people haven't been coming after fickle like his name has been thrown out there for several things it just he maybe he just likes what what's it what's in sense skyline chili maybe he's a big skyline chili Chili guy i've never had skyline chili it's got to be the greatest thing ever i've heard more about it than maybe any other food it is uh very average i would say a very 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 average it's it's hard for chili to really separate itself from the rest of the group that's true I'm not saying it's all the same. There's definitely a difference, but there's definitely the- your elite chilies, but it's like, guys, it's just chili and spaghetti and cheese. Like, come on. I mean, it's not <laughs> like it is what it is. A right. uh, few pieces of college football news. And first one, actually, both of these kind of uh, huge bummers. Uh, Jalen Waddle broke his ankle on that opening kickoff against Tennessee. Going to be out the rest of the season. And that is. I mean, it's just really a bummer because he, he's one of the best players in the country, and he's absolutely electric to watch. Now, I know it sounds bad, but uh, I don't think they'll necessarily miss him in the regular season. I mean, we saw the Slade Bolden. What a name. We it saw sounds, that kid come in. fast. It, he did some good things in that blowout win for Bama against Tennessee, but I, I think we're going to see Waddle's presence missed for the tide when they get to the sec championship game and when they get to the college football playoff uh, because he gave georgia all kinds of problems right with that speed and he's the type of guy that no matter who you're playing you know whether it's clemson ohio state that he is going to be a difference maker and not having him when that part of the season rolls around I think that's a big loss for them. I know they've got the Mechie kid. I know that Devontae Smith is, you know, one of the best in the country. I, I get it, but it's going to be really hard for them to replace him when they're playing teams that are, have similar talent to them. And yeah. that won't really happen until they play Georgia again and until they play Clemson or Ohio State in the college football playoff. That's when they'll miss him. Yeah, I think one of the – ways that you're going to miss him like the Devonte smith kid like he was fantastic i think he caught like 11 or 12 balls against georgia and the reason some of that happens is clearly whenever you're going if you're going to go man to man or actually double a player you're going to go with waddle 
and that leaves other guys like most teams only have one really good corner and they're going to match them up with the best guy and then the matchups get better and better as you go down whenever you lose that top guy now you know whether it's smith or mechie whoever's drawn that next they're going to be drawing the best corner now it just changes all of those for the the middle tier guys which they're not middle tier Devontae smith is not middle tier but you you don't spread defenses as thin as you did before so it, it will affect them yeah that's a really good point and then uh, the other piece of college football news graham mertz who okay. looked pretty dang good on friday night against the illini looks like he can be a real difference maker for wisconsin at the quarterback position but then on sunday it comes out that he has tested positive for the coronavirus. Now he will take a second test to confirm that initial positive. And just a reminder, if that comes back positive, according to Big Ten protocol, he will be out for the next 21 days. Out until 2023? Is that what you're saying? Is that I what said <laughs> he will be out for the next 21 years. They can't can't play for 21 years, but in their next three games, they have, and that includes practice, obviously. So we wouldn't be able to practice for three weeks in their next three games. They've got Nebraska and Purdue. Okay, maybe not that big of a deal. Just a reminder, he was their backup. He's playing instead of their starter, Jack Cohn, remember, who hurt his foot. Uh, who do they have in the third game? That would be Michigan. So, yeah, they got Michigan on November 14th. 21 days. Okay. If he tests positive, doesn't have symptoms, um, whatever, five, six days later, it's passed through his system and he's testing negative, he still has to wait 21 days? That is the Big Ten protocol from everything I've Amazing. read, Theodore. No, that's right. That is, uh, that is the rule. That's the friends. rule, and it's a rule that no one else anywhere on the planet is following. But that's Teddy, one of those things like, you, you guys want to play football? Okay, well, watch this. We've, we've been over this. I know it. The presidents and chancellors are smarter than we are. Mm -hmm. You better never forget it, okay, bud? I won't, but that, he played fantastic. He looked awesome. I, so I have a, a good friend that's the head strength coach for Wisconsin, and I was texting with him before the game. I was like, is, is this Mertz kid going to be any good? He's like, he's a baller. He says he, he'll push it down the field. Now, he's a little looser with it. He's not a game manager like Cone is, but he's a baller. And he was right. I didn't expect 20 of 21, five touchdowns, but – uh, that was impressive. That well, makes him a different offense, man. And, and I don't know if they – And it, it's hard to replace a guy like Jonathan Taylor, right? I mean, that guy was a, a legit talent. I, I think they've got some good running backs. I don't think they've got anyone of Jonathan Taylor's category, uh, caliber there, but he completely changes that team. And I, how was he not playing instead of Jack Cohn? Like, if no, the kid is that good. Like, does he just mess up in practice? I have questions. Maybe. I have I questions. Know, but I, here's the thing. Wisconsin is a good football team and a good program. 
but they w- will never make it to – they'll never win the Big Ten, and they'll never make it to a college football playoff in this era having a running back-led offense. Yeah. You've got to have a QB. Will. That's what the game is now. Yep. I really hope that that initial positive was a false positive. I think all college football fans hope that because that kid can rip it. I mean, he was – that was fun to watch him against Illinois. So, come on. Come on, Mertz. It was that damn cone tainted his test on purpose. Spit it. it. (laughs) Didn't want him to be the superstar. Uh, All right, Ted. Let's move on to our segments. And let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, my winner of the weekend is Scotty Miller, which a lot of people probably don't know who Scotty Miller is, but he is the new tiny white wide receiver for Tom Brady. He had Welker, then he had Amendola, then he had Edelman. Now he's finally complete at Tampa Bay with Scotty Miller. He, he had Gronk, and he was feeling okay, which actually Gronk started to play better too. Gronk's uh, once, starting to look a little more like Gronk little in these Gronk-ish. last couple weeks. Uh, Scotty Miller, five foot nine from Bowling Green, fits the, the prototype perfectly for the small white guy for Tom Brady. Had six catches for like 110 yards and a touchdown today. He'll go deep. He'll work the middle of the field. He's a pretty good little player. And he was the obscure person that no one's ever heard of before. And he's probably going to be world famous because of Tom Brady. Just like Wilker, just like Edelman, just like Amendola. Scotty Miller, get used to the name. I I watched a lot of that game on Red Zone and... Yeah, Tom Brady likes that guy. <laughs> like you look at all the weapons he's got, and Scotty Miller's leading them in targets. I I was like, wow. Uh, you look at wide receiver, and this is the great thing about the the wide receiver position. It, in my opinion, it's a great thing about football. You look at Godwin, and then you look at Scotty Miller, and you're like, there's no I way mean, those guys play the same position. <laughs> how about look at Mike Evans? I mean. For a fantasy owner of Mike Evans, like myself, who oh, no. has been an absolute beast and had two targets today, it's like, what are we doing here, guys? But, you know, I, I should have known Scotty Miller. Here he comes. I do have, since you brought the Bucks up, who's better? Who, who do you think the best team in the NFL is right now? Because I think there's a couple teams in the conversation Clearly the Chiefs. We got to start talking about the Bucks. Maybe the Seahawks. And then the Packers. I mean, is there anyone else that I'm... Yeah, the Steelers. The, the Steelers. Ravens. God, don't miss the layup. The Steelers. And the tight. I think the Titans still are. It was a great game. They missed the field goal at the end. 
you know, Pittsburgh had the big lead and they somehow, you know, the Titans clawed their way back into it. But I, th- I think there's like eight really good teams. Playoffs I mean, are going to be awesome. They are. I mean, you hit most of them. Chiefs, Seahawks, uh, Packers, um, Steelers, Bucks. Bucks. Uh, who else? Um, Ravens. I mean, there's, there's some good teams. There's about eight really good teams. But it seems like, seems like Tampa Bay is – I mean, they're rolling. And that defense – that defense is legit. Dude, Devin White and Levante David at backer is like – That's like crack to you Yeah, watching those I, dudes play. I thought Devin White killed – Not implying uh, that you do crack. <laughs> is that even the right – is that the right verb? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. You, Ted, I don't think Teddy does crack. <laughs> well, I mean, I may try. No, I, I try uh, anything once or twice. Devin White, dude, did you see that hit on Carr on the sideline? Oh line? my <laughs> goodness! He can run and he brings the pain. He is he is legit. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? So I told you that I was listening to all of these games as I was driving home. So I was listening to the Indiana Hoosiers broadcast at the end of that game. Okay. And you would think that I was, I mean, it wouldn't even sound like I was listening to Penn State's broadcast, but so the way it goes down you know, they, they score, and they're like, probably I wouldn't go for two here, and then they do it. They go to for two, and it's like, okay, yeah, well, you know, go try and win the thing. And the play unfolds. I'm trying to figure out what happens. And as the play-by, or the play-by-play guy says, he's, he reaches, and he's in. They're calling him in, and the color guy's like, no, he's not in. He's not in. And – the play-by-play is like, well, they sig- they're signaling it's good. He's like, he's out. He's, he's out of bounds. It's not good. Uh, everyone, they're all celebrating. It's, it's coming back. It's, it's, they're going to be disappointed. It's not, it's not even good. So then they show the replay in the booth. Then both the play-by-play guy and the color guy are both saying, oh, yeah, he's, yeah no, he's out. He's, uh, yeah, this one's coming back. This is no good. They're all out there celebrating. They're going to be really upset. Eh, this is uh, – it's not any good. And then they announce it, ruling on the field stands, and they both just kind of sit there like, huh, well, wow, I, I can't believe they – can't believe they didn't overturn that. <laughs> so what? Indiana it, just beat Penn State, and it almost sounded like they were pissed about it. <laughs> okay. Now, since we've been driving – to the games this year as part of the radio team instead of flying with the team, I've gotten to listen to a lot more of those radio calls, right? ESPNU, they've got the that Channel 84, they've got like the, the college sports blitz where they bounce back. It's kind of like the audio version yeah. of Red Zone. It's pretty cool. And I, I will say this because I've been listening to them with Plank. And you know Plank, like Plank is – he, he is – he's going to criticize. He's also going to compliment like yeah. when people are doing it really. 
And I have quickly realized, and I'm not just saying this because you're my friend and we do this podcast together, but you and Toby are by far the best in the country. I mean, it's not, I, I don't say it to be like rude to the other guys. It's just like Toby's ability to do play by play and be a homer, but not be over the top. And then your ability to take complex things and put it into simple language for people like I'm listening to these other broadcasts going, Oh my gosh. Like we, like I am so lucky to get to work with the guys I work with. These guys are awful. Now I'm not going to say anyone specific, but there's some, and the worst, there's some mouth breathing play by play guys. (laughs) And that is, that is ridiculous. I mean, you're hearing them go, Oh, Every time he's speaking, I'm like, guys, we got to get someone that can at least breathe to do play-by-play. There is, there is one broadcast of a major program that the broadcast is so bad that it is good. It's so bad that I absolutely love it. It sounds like they took two random buddies off of the street, like went out into the tailgating section and picked a couple of guys wearing jerseys and said, Hey, why don't you come call this game? And they both like, there is no color guy. There is no play by play guy. They just both talk nonstop. It's, it's hilarious. I love, I I appreciate that compliment. We, it is, uh, we have, we have a fun broadcast that is just Toby makes everything seamless for everyone. So it's a lot of fun. Could you imagine if OU had a moment like that? Could you imagine what I would say on the mic? Oh my gosh. It would not be good. We would be getting a fine, but it would be entertaining. Let me tell you that. I had a couple, I had a couple times. Cause like normally I'm down on the sideline. Like I can, you know, click the mic on and off. I had a couple times on Saturday where I was just like, Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh wait, I got to flip this up. <laughs> like I'm just making audible noise. Well, oh. I, it was usually, I, I just, I was amazed because usually on a play like that, like you would take that call for Indiana and like they would overlay it on Sports Center, right? And Bennett reaches and he's in. They've beat it. They've beat this it. This is the greatest moment in Indiana football history. That's but what I was yelling when I saw yeah, it happen. But instead, it's uh, I think he's in. And the color guy say, nope, he's out. He, no, he's out. They're going to call it out. so sad. <laughs> okay. Uh, my winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires in the cable boxes so it looks great and I can control every TV in my house from my phone and now my iPad. Put it on my iPad, Ted. It's pretty nifty. But my internet has also been flawless for the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area. Call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, my winner of the weekend, the NFL Red Zone channel was un believable when it can't when when the early slate of nfl games when they were all wrapping up scott hansen was in his damn bag i mean he 
He's legit, man. Crushing it. Okay, you mentioned it. We had the Titans and Steelers ending. Goskowski misses the field goal to send it to overtime for the Titans after they had clawed all the way back. We saw Baker take the Browns down the field and throws an absolute dime. That was a ball right there. And hit Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, that was one of the best throws of Baker Mayfield's NFL career, maybe the best. And they win the game against the Bengals, even though that Hail, Ma- Hail Mary from Burrow oh. was awfully oh. close at the end it, of that one. They got the ricochet they wanted. It just didn't hit the right guy. But not only – so you had the Titans-Steelers ending going on. You had the Browns-Bengals ending going on. And then you had the bizarre Lions-Falcons ending where Todd Gurley, even though we just saw it happen, we just saw it happen the night before, in the Indiana-Penn State game, Todd Gurley scores when he shouldn't have scored. They just they would have kicked the game-winning field goal. They win the game, but he gets into the end zone, and the Lions have a chance, and Matthew Stafford continues to be an absolute stud and goes down the field, finds Hawkinson in the end zone with zero time on the clock. And Prater, they get a penalty – they get a celebration penalty or an unsportsmanlike, and Prater has to kick like a 48-yard PAT to win the game. I saw that. I just knew. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to miss this extra point because of this penalty. But, but you had all of that going on, and NFL Red Zone killed it. I saw it all, and it he, was awesome, Teddy. It he was always like, calls it like flawless. He does a great uh, – he basically does play-by-play for four different games at the same time. It's fantastic. It Hashtag was, quad box, I wasn't watching. Quad oh, box? We had a couple quad boxes, yes. but we had a couple uh, – we had a couple try boxes. Like, it was – it was electric. Like, there was a 10-minute span where I don't think I blinked <laughs> watching NFL Red Zone. I was like <gasps> – I was just it like really me. is the greatest thing because you can watch that and honestly not miss anything. Like some of the small details, obviously, but if you watch Red Zone all day, you pretty much just watched every single NFL game in its and, entirety. And my boy Blake Bell is on the Cowboys, so I'm not gonna I'm not <sighs> gonna pile on him. But there was a point where – because I like to watch Blake play and I like to be focused on that game, but that game had gotten out of hand. Oh, my gosh, that hit Andy Dalton. That is going to be a massive fine for Bostic. Oh, my gosh, that's going to be a big fine. I, I mean, I, what is the max fine that they can levy? Because that's what it Just is. Just give us your whole salary. <laughs> I mean, they, he is going to get absolutely hammered. Wow. And it really – it bothered – and I know that – they're playing basically all backups right now on the offensive line. The fact that no O lineman went and fought that guy, you got to take a 15 yarder. You got to take the fine. Uh, come on, man. You can't let someone do that to your quarterback and not at least do something. Yeah. I thought I, that was, I think McCarthy even talked about it after the game. He was like, yeah, that's not, how we would want our guys to respond in that situation. I was like, oh, my God, he's calling out the alignment. That's- I mean, I, it, I, I can remember Rayola going after someone when Kitna slid and kind of the same thing happened, but he barely got touched. And Rayola went after a guy and got a 15-yard penalty. And So but- Dom 
was, as you know, insane. Well, he was always he was he's probably a bad example. <laughs> he's insane. But like you think about a guy like that, uh, if that happened to the quarterback, like if it was one of the pounces, right? right? Oh my gosh! I mean, it's you got to fight him. Well, I mean, Pouncey was throwing. I mean, he was on top of uh, Miles Garrett throwing punches to the ribs. Um, I, yeah, it was crazy though. Here's what's funny. I, I said, Oh, I was watching it. I said, Oh, you got to come watch this, uh, to my wife. And she comes in there and she's like, well, how is that not the quarterback's fault? I was like, gosh, she's like, well, he shouldn't have waited to slide so long. If he's going to slide and he sees someone coming, he should know that they don't know if he's going to slide or dive or. That's his fault. I was like, as a defensive player, I'd love to hear you say that, honey. This is I why really we're married. Do. This is why we're married, but unfortunately, the league will disagree with you. Yeah, oh, that was brutal. All right, my loser of the weekend. Uh, thought about going with your Patriots, but uh, I didn't want to make you feel bad, Ted, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that alone. So the loser of the weekend, it, it's got to be Scott Frost in Nebraska. And it's not because they got destroyed, right? What, 52-17 against Ohio State? Like, we all expected them to get thumped by the Buckeyes. They got way more talent, right? But, and it even was a game for a little bit. It was like 17-14, and then Ohio State kind of poured it on at the end of the first half and then came out hangry in that second half. But... Justin Fields is fantastic, but that's not necessarily why Nebraska is my loser of the weekend. They're my loser of the weekend because you never want it to come to this. Ryan Day in the postgame press conference comes out and apologizes to Scott Frost for not taking a knee at the end of the game. They went and scored. And he apologizes, and that had to hurt Scott Frost so badly because he basically came out in the nicest way possible and said, hey, man, uh, we were beating y'all's ass so bad. That's, not my, that, that's my bad for not getting our backup QB to show you some mercy. And that's where Nebraska football is right now. They got the opposing team coaches going, hey, that's on me. We should have taken a knee. And that, that's got to hurt. Well, as a, as a defensive player, there's nothing more embarrassing than a team saying, no, 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 no. You know, we'll take a knee right here. And you've had enough. You've had enough. We, well, we don't want you guys to have to give up any more yards, which, um, you know, thank God I've never had that happen. But I, I've always thought that, like, because we played uh, Texas A&M and beat them 77-0. to zero, And we were kneeing the ball, like, you know, middle of the – like, the beginning of the fourth quarter, basically trying not to score. And I remember thinking, like, that's got to be more embarrassing than just continuing to put points on them. Like, if someone's – like, it's one thing to knee it with, like, two minutes left and you can run it out. But to knee it three times and punt the ball away is like – that's the most embarrassing thing that could ever happen to you. 
and I will say this, I disagree with Ryan Day. I think, and I, I am, I, I think there's a time and place for sportsmanship, and that time and place is in youth athletics. I think if you're in a conference game or if you're in the National Football League, I think you should try to embarrass your opponent every game. I really do. I think that at some point there may be a recruit where it comes down to Nebraska and Ohio State somehow, and they look back in, they're like, oh, 52-17. Well, what happens if it would have been 45-17? Well, maybe the recruit's like, well, huh, that's not that bad. The 52. Eh. <laughs> what happens if it would have been 59? You know what I'm saying? So I, I just think I, I, I'm all for sportsmanship in youth athletics. I think you should try to embarrass everybody in college athletics, especially a conference game where like they're supposed to be your equal, right? So I, I, I disagree with Ryan Day. That being said, that touchdown made the over hit and also it, uh, it made Ohio State cover the 28-point spread. So as our man Scott Van Pelt would say, that, uh, that touchdown was significant to some. Well, and I agree with you 100%. There is a time and place for sportsmanship, and it comes after you've secured the spread. That's whenever <laughs> there's sportsmanship, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, you have to you have to keep your fans happy, and I promise you, there was a ton of people in Ohio State that, God, you know, there's going to be a couple years from now, now whenever things go bad for Ryan Day, and you know a lot of folks are going to be asking for his job and want him fired, but then they're going to say, Hey, come on guys. Remember that Nebraska game back in 2020, whenever we went down and scored to cover the spread, have the over hit. He's come a on, good guy. Guy. He could have taken a knee there. Come on. He's Give a him good one guy. more year. <laughs> All right. All right, Ted, let's wet the beak and wet the beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes, custom homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. All right, let's wet the beak with Monday Night Football. We've got the 5-1 and one Chicago Bears traveling to L.A. to take on the 4-2 and two Rams. The Rams are currently a six-point favorite, and this could be your type of game, Teddy, because both of these defenses are pretty solid, and we'll see if Chicago can keep Jared Goff and the Rams and that offense and get them off schedule. That seems to be the key to defending them, but Chicago's offense doesn't exactly make you think that they can keep up if this game somehow turns into more of a shootout. We'll see what Nick Foles can do. I, I think they're pretty limited when it comes to their weapons on offense. 
You look at Allen Robinson. I, I mean, maybe the biggest weapon on that offense is between Nick Foles' legs. Yes. I, I was I worried to. you weren't going to get it in. I, that's, that's seven or eight straight times. I had to. I mean, that, it's a running theme on the podcast. I can't, I can't mention Nick Foles without – I mean, come on. Can't, don't miss Got the to. layup. But I, I, I do think Allen Robinson is still a high-caliber player. I think David Montgomery seems like he's kind of finding – uh, finding a stride there at running back for Chicago. But I I don't know if the Rams quite have a stand. Actually, I know they don't have a standout at running back, but I feel like they could run it pretty efficiently in this one. Uh, so I'm going to lay the six and take the Rams. And I feel like Sean McVay and the Rams will be rather angry with the way they played offensively in their last game against the Niners. And I think they bounced back. And one piece of advice for the Bears, locate Aaron Donald. Know where that guy's at. That'd be, that, that's, that's my advice. That's my professional opinion. Yeah. Um, I, the, the offensive line needs to locate him, and Foles needs to locate him because he makes it hurt whenever he comes to town. Are the Bears – not the most irrelevant five and one team in the NFL. Isn't it, it the strangest thing? They're leading the division over the Packers. And I don't think there's anyone that would even suggest that the bears are a better football team. Do you, do you feel like they're kind of like the pack now the Packers last year? What were they? 13, 13 and, and three, three, but yeah, I don't, I don't think the bears will get there, but it almost has that feel where you're like, Oh, they've got a great record, but, we know they're not that good. Right. Yes. But, I mean, at least with the Packers, you felt it was like, yeah, I mean, the defense is really struggling. They don't have a running game. But they've got Aaron Rodgers, so it, it kind of makes sense. But with the Bears, I mean, they were undefeated and benched their starting quarterback. Like, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Rarely do you ever see that in the NFL. So, um I don't know, but they are starting to put it together a little bit. Montgomery's starting to look good. He's starting to be a little bit more consistent. Robinson's been been a good player for him. So, who, I mean, who's freakier looking, Donald or Khalil Mack? Like, just to, I think Aaron Donald's Donald. a better player, but he's, man, Khalil Mack. When you're just looking at that guy in a jersey, you're just like, wow, look at the arms on that guy. Yeah, I mean. I think I'm biased with Aaron Donald. So I've told you my friend was, he's the head strength coach at Wisconsin. He was also the head strength coach at Pitt when Aaron Donald, Donald was there. Oh, so my. he told me way a long time ago about Aaron Donald and some of his numbers. And so he, I mean, there's a lot of guys that look good in a Jersey, but aren't worth a shit in the weight room. Aaron Donald is strong as an ox. He is the entire package. I, I will never forget the guys. I was on the South team in the Senior Bowl. I will never forget the guys on the North team telling us stories about him from practice. And, like, so they were telling us stories about one-on-one pressures. He's like, dude, he is just putting guys on their backs, like, <laughs> over and over and over again. And – we kind of like, okay, you know, they're, they're overblown. And we went and watched the pass rush tape and 
it was the scariest fucking thing I'd ever seen. I was like, <laughs> I do not want to block this kid ever. And then it, it comes, and I don't know if he liked me or what, but he took it easy on me in that game. And I blocked him a couple times when I was playing guard. I was like, oh no, this is going to go bad. This is going to go bad. <laughs> but whew, that dude is legit. Um, you like, who do you like? Rams? Bears. I like the Rams. I mean, I think they'll cover the six. <sighs> Bears have just had a way of hanging around and making things interesting and figure out a way to win games. I don't love the Rams this year, but if I got to go one way or the other, give me the Rams. I'll, I'll say they win by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everybody's favorite segment, and that is keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma, and that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopened in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting has made McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-one student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum. Wow, that's good. Curriculum. Offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available for more information. Visit BMCH, bmchs.org. You know what? I'm sure they really appreciate one of the alums messing up everything when it comes to reading. That's great. Okay, so normally for keeping it local, you know, we find something that they're talking about on local news or we something we read in the paper or something like that. But this is... It is a, it's an important time of year uh, because I feel like we have to have a conversation about the weather change. Uh, it has arrived and slapped us in the face this week, and we got like two to three weeks of what I would classify as really nice weather, and now it's cold as shit across the state. It's in the 40s. Now, it looks like we'll have some highs maybe in the low 60s this week, so that could be nice, but going to be cold at night, and... This leads to a very important question, or a couple of very important questions. Uh, number one, for all the men out there listening, how long can you wait? How cold can it get in your house before your wife mentions something, before it gets brought up? Because we all know that that is coming. It's here, gentlemen. So that point came for me uh, this weekend when I got home. Uh, from the TCU game, I tried to pull a fast one. I tried to not turn the heat on. It got to about 67 in the bedroom, and my wife punched me in the arm and said, turn the damn heat on. And I said, no, it has begun. So I've got it set at 69 right now. I'm hoping to get away with that, Ted. But, yeah, that moment is here. It is upon us. Yeah, so for me, in the summer – all I can get away with is 70, but it's a constant fight because I'll get home. I'll get home from work and it'll be on my wife will set it for like 73 or 74, which in the summer to me, 70 feels good. 73 is 95 degrees. It's right? like it's you're three profusely, profusely sweating. Yeah. I know, like I know exactly like, oh what you mean. God, it is, it is miserable in here. <laughs> <laughs> How can you live like this? 
so we there's a seesaw battle between and i usually before we go it only it really matters to me whenever i'm laying in bed that's that's the really the whole problem so i'm with you that's why i was like i was like 67 it's going to be perfect this is this is the temperature tom brady tells us to sleep at like this is perfect honey and she was not she was not having it bro not having uh, it at all so here's what's great though in the winter because i i I don't know if she's used to it a little bit more or what, but I can usually get away with 68 before the heater kicks on. And oh. that's a win for me. I've got to be quiet because if she hears me in here, she may Dude, start don't, adjusting don't, it. Don't talk, don't talk too loud. I don't, I, <laughs> you got a good thing going. I don't want to ruin this for you, but uh, yeah. It was 64 the other day because we hadn't turned our heater on at all. And she said, you know how cold it is in our bedroom right now? I did, but I was like, no, well, it, it felt okay to me. What was it? 64 degrees. 64 degrees in there. Like, I'm going oh, to get sick sleeping in there. <laughs> that's what, I could that's... sleep forever. It, the colder it is, the better it is to curl up under the covers. Fantastic. That's, uh, my wife and I were talking about it's like. She's like, I, it makes me not even want to get out of bed. It's so cold. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Exactly. <laughs> and w- we got this new thermostat. It's got this auto setting where you can set, like, but it, it has to be five degrees apart. Like, you can turn, like, normal, like, just cold or normal heat. But there's also this one where you can set, like, a range. And that's what I tried to do. I tried to go with the fancy setting and be like, no, 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 I'm going to set it. And it was like 68, 73. And she was, she, she figured me out quick. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, it's amazing though, that in the summer that 70 is tolerable for me, but anything above that, it might as well be 95 in there. It's the, yeah. it feels the exact same. I could feel like heat, like, pulsating off of my body it's horrible Just miserable all right so if you're listening to this and you've had a similar experience this week tweeted at us at gabe eichard at ted layman 11 or you can tweet it at the podcast twitter at okay underscore breakdown because i know uh, th- this conversation is coming for all of us it is it is upon us episode 54 ted in the books. Let's go. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Uh, we'll be previewing the OU Texas Tech matchup in that one. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.